0: Feel it coming in the air, hear yeah. the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. It's a dangerous so. love affair. Can't be scared when nickels down. Got a problem? Tell me so. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who's to so. run this town tonight. So. Welcome to Karmi Las Sports Talk. Alex Plante in studio solo today. Kwame will probably be calling out. He's in New York probably doing some stuff with the Super Bowl. Got a lot to talk about today. Super Bowl Sunday is upon us. Really excited. Uh, if you've listened this week, I've gone back and forth with my Super Bowl picks, and I will give my final one towards the middle of the show. I do want to talk about Earl Thomas, probably the unsung hero of the Seattle Seahawks defense, even though he's one of the best, if not the best, safety in the league. Overshadowed by Richard Sherman and all of his antics and apologies and And going back on those apologies and and such after the NFC Championship game with San Francisco, I'll talk NBA, Phoenix Suns, All-Star reserves have been announced, and I'll go over the starters as well and why I believe that Goran Dragic was a snub for the All-Star game due to just Phoenix as a whole as a basketball organization uh, in the past few years. As well, I will talk the NBA from top to bottom Playoff picture, etc. I'll talk David Stern because David Stern is retiring. The NBA commissioner is retiring tomorrow, and uh, I'll go over some of his peaks and valleys as an NBA commissioner. Uh, so we got a lot to talk about today. And if I have time, I will talk about the Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin situation. More texts came out today that kind of muddied the waters even more as to who is at fault, if anybody, and if maybe Jonathan Martin just wasn't mentally tough enough for the NFL. So first, there's been a lot of talk about Richard Sherman, as I previously mentioned. If you've watched any of the playoff games, any of the season, you know that he's, if not the best, one of the top uh, lockdown corners in the NFL. Tall, strong, tough, smart, great football IQ, high football IQ. But Earl Thomas is going to be the one that's going to get most of the action, seemingly, I'm not sure if Peyton Manning's going to go after Richard Sherman. I'm not sure if he's going to leave him alone or if he's just going to say, you know, I'm the best quarterback in the game right now. I can pick and choose where I want to throw the ball. If he stays away from Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas will be in the spotlight. Earl Thomas, 105 tackles this year. He's a very cerebral player, 5'10", 202 pounds. He's the smallest in the secondary for Seattle, but that doesn't mean he's a small DB. That just means that Seattle's secondary is large uh the, the the tallest and strongest in the NFL in my opinion with the amount of weapons that Peyton Manning has he's going to seemingly pick on everybody his offensive line is the best in the game maybe one of the best we've ever seen obviously Dallas Emmitt Smith early 90s mid 90s that was the best we've ever seen in my opinion but this is this is definitely rivaling it Peyton Manning has had a clean jersey after games more than any quarterback in the NFL this year, which allows him to do what he does, which is surgically rip apart defenses, regardless of how good they are. We'll see if that'll be the case against Seattle on Sunday. I said yesterday that I believe that what Denver should do offensively is line two people up on the left side, on Richard Sherman's side. Demarius Thomas, Wes Walker, Demarius Thomas, Eric Decker... Eric Decker, Wes Welker. Have one guy take Richard Sherman with him that'll leave so much room for Wes Welker to do what he does. Leave Eric Decker to do what he does. Five, seven yard outs, quick burst of speed, get a first down. That's how you beat Seattle's defense. It's going to be tough to beat them with long plays down the field. And Richard Sherman just adds to that. I'm not sure if they're going to blitz at all from the secondary. Because of how good the offensive line is, and how quickly Peyton Manning gets rid of the ball, I feel like that might do them a disservice. You have the best secondary in the game, and you just got to prove it. You have to trust your secondary to make plays. They play zone a lot of times, but they're going to have to play some man defense against against the Broncos due to how many weapons they have, with with the amount of holes that a defense yields, that a zone defense yields. Peyton Manning will rip you apart. Doesn't matter how good your defense is. So I'll say it now. Earlier on in the week, I picked Seattle. Due to the inclement weather, wind, things of that nature that, that that yield better results for good defenses and good run games. I'm changing it. I'm picking Denver officially. Forty-nine degrees during the day, twenty-nine degrees at night. At most, six to seven mile per hour winds. 20% chance of rain, which is fine. That's Denver weather. That That is Denver weather. It's going to be cloudy. It's usually clear in Denver. But Peyton Manning's played in that. That doesn't count as cold to me. They have their hand warmers. They have adrenaline pumping through them. So I feel like that it, it's it's not a good thing that it's not pouring snow or pouring rain for Seattle, because that would definitely would have given them advantage and their and their game scheme. So Denver twenty four seventeen is is my pick. I'm not sure if if Denver will go up twenty one nothing in the first half, as they've grown accustomed to doing, and then giving up the lead later on, midway through the fourth quarter is when games start becoming games. Happened to San Diego. Happened with San Diego. Happened with New England. Happened with New England at New England. When the Patriots ended up coming back to win, but that was regular season. It's kind of a different ball game now. Peyton Manning will win his second Super Bowl and go down as now the top four quarterback of all time. People are talking about how he he's, will be the best of all time if he, wins, if he wins this year, and I think that's doing Joe Montana a huge disservice, first off. I understand that he had a fantastic receiving core, obviously led by the best receiver of all time, Jerry Rice. Had a good defense. Dwight Clark was a great tight end. Roger Craig running back for part of, part of the time. Terry Bradshaw gets no love for winning four Super Bowls but that defense was the best. The best. So uh, the immaculate reception, I mean, there are a lot of things that that Terry Bradshaw had going against him with regards to his quarterbacking ability being overshadowed by other things. So that's why I feel like, and, and he's also older, and we're in a generation now and the generation before us of what's happening now is better than what happened in the 70s. Just because a lot of us weren't around then, so we can only watch so much film and, and so many clips and highlights that we can't really put a lot of weight on it. Because we're watching what's happening right now. That's why Tom Brady is getting so much, uh, so much uh, you know praise for, because it's now it's in the two thousands, late nineties two thousands. So it's going on now, and Peyton Manning winning too. I, I understand that because of his pedigree in the regular season that he outweighs maybe one or two quarterbacks that have more Super Bowls than him, or the, or the same amount of Super Bowls that he would have if he were to win this one on Sunday. I just, don't, I just can't put him at the top right now. I, I just can't. I mean, I guess I would give Tom Brady a slight edge because he has more Super Bowls. He won 16-0 in a regular season, even though they didn't win a Super Bowl. Just Unlucky. In in that situation with the David Tyree catch. But Tom Brady had great defenses too. I mean, I guess Peyton had pretty good defenses in Indianapolis. Bob Sanders at at the height of his career. Dwight Freeney when he was young and fast and ferocious. Ferocious. I don't know. I mean, uh, this conversation can go on forever. The the old-timers will say one thing, and and the the new school guys will say another. There's no real way to determine it until somebody wins five Super Bowls, which is seemingly impossible due to how talented everybody is now. Not to say that they weren't in the past, because I really don't have a whole lot of information for that, because being 30, I, I can only watch so much film, and so many clips and read so many articles about how good players were before I was born. It just seems like that the talent is more spread out now with with the draft system. With free agency, trades, but to a lesser degree in the NFL. I just can't necessarily say that he's the best of all time. I, I just can't. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that. But he'll definitely make a case for himself if he... he wins on Sunday And I'm taking I, I know I'm taking the easy road here Because he's been there before Because players on his team Have been there before And nobody's been there On the Seahawks I'm taking offense over defense A lot of people pick Oakland Over Tampa Bay that year A lot of people I think that was 2000 2001, I, I can't really remember. It was in that in that vicinity. But I'm, I'm picking offense. This is the best offense of all time in a single season. They do not have a weakness. Their fourth receiver, Andre Caldwell, had a huge game this year when Wes Walker was out. There is no lack of... Of receiver and tight end talent there. Hell, Jacob Tammy, their backup tight end, is a stud too. No Sean Moreno's, no slouch. Monty Ball, if he can hold on to the ball, I don't see them being beat. And the weather was the reason why I was choosing Seattle. It was solely based upon the weather. But with it not being as bad as people initially thought, you can't go against you can't go against Peyton. I know their defense Seattle's defense is great. Strong, fast, ruthless. But their offense is lacking. Denver's got to stack eight in the box and just make Russell Wilson beat him. Not that's not to say that he can't. But their receiving core is not good. Doug Baldwin has shown flashes. Golden Tate has shown flashes. He had a better year last year than he did this year. Percy Harvin, who knows? Hell, Percy Harvin could have a career day. That's the beauty of him. The beauty of having him on your team is that you always have to account for him. Because one step and he could be gone. So, final pick, Denver... 24-17, Twenty-four seventeen. when it really comes down to it, I want it to be a good game, but I'm picking Denver. Got to take a break. Voice America Radio, Kwame Lasser Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. On the other side, we'll talk a little bit more Super Bowl, and then I'm going to dive into NBA, David Stern, Phoenix Suns, etc. Well, I'll be back.
1: On behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host. For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iRadioblog.com.
2: Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of Wellpoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined. Still, half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchOfDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies.
3: If you think you've seen online TV before, We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in the studio. Talking Super Bowl twenty-four seventeen. Denver, my pick. See what happens. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game. It's all I really hope for. Gonna watch the commercials. That'll be good. I hope. So we'll see. We'll see if Earl Thomas can take care of business. I mean, I challenge Seattle's defense to shut down Peyton Manning in the Broncos. And also, I mean. Not to say that, I mean, Denver's defense hasn't played too awfully in the last two games. They've given up, they've pretty much shut down two of the top, I don't know, I mean, obviously top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, not in any specific order, past two weeks in the playoffs. So we'll see, I mean, maybe their defense steps up. I just feel personally that Denver's going to have to outscore Seattle offensively instead of having a defensive battle for them to win. So, 24-17 Denver, my choice. I'm going to move... Rich Incognito, I want to talk about this for like two minutes. Rich Incognito, Jonathan Martin, some stuff came out again today, texts back and forth. It seems more and more, every time these texts come out, that the initial texts that were reportedly sent by Rich Incognito to Jonathan Martin about the racial slur, which is awful, I'm, I'm not... Condoning that I promise you that other other texts that came out that seemed crude and unused and, and you know and, and just not nice for lack of a better phrase seemed to be more and the story seems to be coming out more that it was just people talking crap back and forth to each other friends, you know two big dudes just talking crap to each other so I I don't know this is looking for bad for Jonathan Martin and I'm going to go back and say because this was this was shown again in this article that right after all this stuff came out, right after Jonathan Martin left, right after in- Richie Incognito was was removed from the team was suspended. These are the texts that came out. Uh, Jonathan Martin said to Incognito, "Quote: What's up, man? The world's gone crazy. I'm I'm good though. Congrats on the win." That was after their win. Incognito replied, "Thanks, dude. It's unbelievable. The attention this is getting." All that's important is that you feel better and you, and know that we miss you, dude. Okay, so obviously we're missing something there. That was right off the bat. And then Martin re, re, uh, responded with a text the same day. Yeah, I'm good, man. It's insane, bro. But just know I don't blame you guys at all. It's just the culture around football in the locker room got to me a little bit. By the way, never check yourself into a mental hospital. So that's what he said. So, So obviously there's a friendship there. This story is just just dragging and dragging and dragging. But every time another report comes out, it makes Jonathan Martin look worse. Not in the respect that he didn't want to play football, which is fine, which which is what's coming out pretty much. But the fact that he, in fact, did exploit his teammates. In my opinion. I just... I don't know. It took a weird turn. I mean, initially, and I talked about this yesterday, initially, Incognito was the bad guy. Exile him. Do not never let him play football again. Coddle Jonathan Martin. Let him play again. And now, I feel like Incognito get a job before Martin does. Not with the Dolphins, because the Dolphins came out and said they probably will not re-sign either of them. But, I don't know. I, I just hope this gets put to rest at some point, and there's some clarity, and the Clouds separate and we get to see what this is once and for all and we don't have to hear about it again because I'm sick of talking about it next NBA Phoenix Suns last night this week last week I was talking about this being a statement game for the Suns I don't really believe in statement games in the NBA especially in January February I don't after the all-star break is when statement games start to become more important but for this, for the Phoenix Suns, after beating Indiana on January 22nd by 25 at home, it was not a close game at all. They got up to a fast lead, and they never relinquished it. I thought that that was just a down game for the Pacers. You know, they go on the road, they're playing a middling team, seven seed in the Western Conference. You don't get up for every game. 82 games is a, lo- is a long season. Now, the Suns go on a little bit of a roll. They beat Cleveland. They're down 18 at halftime. They beat Cleveland in Cleveland. They beat Philly, who's a bad team. They beat Milwaukee, who's a bad team. And then they go to Indiana, and they smack him in the face. 36-19 at the end of the first. I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm now a believer in the Suns. I'm now a believer in Jeff Hornacek. Games like this make franchises take a turn. The Steve Nash era is no more. I wish we had Steve Nash still. I wish he was still 29, 30, 31 when he was winning MVPs. No more. 28 and 18. To be a 35 and 9 Pacers team 102-94. The defining point in this game was in the fourth quarter when Indiana came all the way back. Indiana came all the way back. They're within six with seven minutes and 40 seconds left, I think. Suns have the ball. Markeith Morris, shot clock winding down, just nails a jumper. That's huge. That's huge in the respect that a lot of teams in the Suns' position, overachieving, young, no real veteran leadership, rookie coach, that's a game where they fold. He misses that jumper, Indiana comes down, gets a bucket, two-possession game. That two-point basket by Markeith Morris is what turned this team into a team that can contend. Not for a championship this year, but can contend in free agency, can contend in re-signing Eric Bledsoe, which would be huge for them. contend in the maturation and confidence levels that were wavering, you know, in the middle of the year, which it still is. But early on, they lost a few games in a row. People were kind of questioning, oh, is it a fluke that they started so hot? They're the real deal. Goran Dragic is the real deal. 28-7, and so efficient, very Steve Nash-like. 11-21 of from the field. He took a lot of shots to get his points. I understand that. But they don't have a real scorer on the floor. Eric Bledsoe is the best scorer that they have. Gerald Green's a shooter. He's not a scorer. And he's very up and down. I mean, he'll he'll drop 30 sometimes, you know, shoot 10 for 12, 4 for 5 from 3. He's cultivated his jump shot to make himself relevant in the NBA still because he used to just be a high flyer. For those of you that don't remember, dunk contest. He went up for a dunk, put a cupcake on the base of the on the base of the rim, blew it out and threw it down. Like that was one of the best dunks in, in dunk contest history. Especially now because the dunk contest sucks, sucks, but I digress. Goran Dragic needs to be a scorer now. If they can get a scorer in, if they can get Eric Bledsoe healthy again, he can go back to being a uh, facilitator. I see Goran Dragic around the key, like Steve Nash, going around in a circle right around the paint, finding the open man, The ability to maintain space between you and the three defenders that are collapsing on you while having the wherewithal to know whether to shoot the ball or dish it off to a big man in split second time. That's a learned craft. That is something that he learned under the tutelage of one of the best point guards of all time. And now you're starting to see the fruits of their labors. You saw glimpses when he had 25 points in like a quarter and a half against, against the Spurs in the playoffs where they sat Steve Nash for the whole fourth quarter with Goran Dragic. That was years ago. I think that was like 06 or 07, 08, something in that regard. He went to Houston, kind of lost in the fray. He comes back and this is his team now. Kind of a silent leader. You know, we don't hear what he says on the court. It's not all mic'd up. I mean, we kind of looked at at Steve Nash as a silent leader. You don't see him getting in people's faces and and things like that. Goran Dragic is mapping his career around Steve Nash. And you can see it. Steve Nash wasn't good until the sixth or seventh year. He wasn't Steve Nash until then. He got the starting job in Dallas. And he had Dirk Nowitzki. He had a great team. So it made his job a little bit easier. Goran Dragic is making players around him better. He's making Miles Plumlee better. He's making the Marcus Brothers better, or the, the Morris Brothers better. I'm excited. They're the sixth seed right now. There are two games out of the four seed in the West. Nobody saw this coming. This is ridiculous. This is out of control. And it's good. Arizona Cardinals, good. Phoenix Suns, good. Relevant. Phoenix is back on the map. Even if it's just a little blip right now, there's a pulse. And it's exciting. All-star reserves came out. Well, the East, you know, it's it, it's usual suspects: Chris Bosch, Roy Hibbert, Joe Johnson, Paul Millsap, Joe Kim Noah. You know, it's it's that's fine. West Western Conference is what intrigued me a little bit more. Lamarcus Aldridge, I think, should have been a starter. Blake Griffin, that was because the fans voted. Dwight Howard, just because you need a center. James Harden, fine, he's good. Dirk Nowitzki deserves it. But what really intrigued me was the point guards. Damian Lillard, Tony Parker, Chris Paul. I wrote down some stats here, and I'm going to compare them to Goran Drogic's. Drogic's? Drogic's. Chris Paul has played 34 games. He's hurt every year. He misses six weeks every season. So you have to take that into account (laughs) when you sign him to a long-term deal, as the Clippers did. He's going to be hurt six weeks. So you're going to lose games during that time unless you have a killer backup point guard. But they traded theirs and Eric Bledsoe to the Suns. Chris Paul, 34 games, 19.5 points, 11 assists, 5 rebounds. I mean, that's him. That's him. I understand. He, doesn't, he hasn't played in a lot of games. He's played in 75% of the games of everybody else, though. So I don't know if you reward that just because he's Chris Paul, but you rewarded it. Damian Lillard, 20.6. assists, 41% from the field. Okay? Tony Parker, 18 points, 6 assists, less than a steal a game, 50% from the field. So, that's Tony Parker. You're always going to get that from him. Goran Dragic, 19.9 points a game, 6.1 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 50% from the field, a steal and a half, and under 3 turnovers a game for a point guard. I, I guess it was a pick at that point. Goran Drogic isn't a big enough name. Damian Lillard is the sexy pick because he's a second-year. He could have made the All-Star team last year. Tony Parker, because he deserves it. It's only his sixth All-Star game. Chris Paul's Chris Paul. I'll give you my take on it after the break. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk, Voice Talk America. I'll be back. <laughs>
1: Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. I'm riding solo today. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Deborah Debris at Deborah underscore Debris. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Like our page on Facebook. I put it up yesterday. Search Kwame Lassiter Sports Talk and you can like us, follow the topics we're talking about every show, when the show starts, any any new news, notes, Stuff like that. Um, we're going to try to get to 1,000 likes by the end of the year. So that, that's our goal, if not more. So I was talking Goran Dragic, why I believe that, and not being a homer, I believe that he should have made the all-star team this year. Surprise team, nobody saw this happening. 28-18, and 18, I understand that Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, and Tony Parker are all on teams with better records, but not by much you know the clippers only have two more wins than than the suns and or two more yeah they they have five more wins than the suns and i mean all three teams do they're 33-13 33-16 the suns are 28-18 so um i believe that goran dragic is not a big enough name yet to be you know talked about which is fine uh he, he'll have his chance I do hope that they make a run, make the playoffs, and rob uh, and ride from the sunset. I mean, they get three first-round draft picks next year. So, that's going to be good. And I believe Ryan McDonough, that GM, has done a fantastic job over there. Maybe he'll package those for a player. Maybe he'll package those to move up in the draft because this is a pretty deep draft. I know there's going to be a lot of fool's gold, but there's going to be some gems. There's definitely going to be some gems. So, maybe, I mean, they could be two solid moves away from taking that step forward to being a contender. I don't think the Clippers are contenders. They don't have any low post presence. Blake Griffin is a great regular season player. I don't think they have what it takes. Portland is unproven. They haven't been relevant in, in the past several years, San Antonio, San Antonio they're always going to be tough to beat Oklahoma City is Oklahoma City I see Kevin Durant by himself there just as I saw uh, LeBron James in Cleveland when he was there by himself, okay role players but the supreme talent and athleticism of Kevin Durant is going gonna, is gonna to take them pretty far and they're going to win a lot of regular season games against a lot of bad teams so we'll see how it goes We will see how it goes. I do want to talk about David Stern, NBA commissioner. Mike Down is one of the best professional sports commissioners of all time. He's definitely had his hiccups. Definitely had a few. One (laughs) was the 1985 draft, New York Knicks. Conspiracy, of course. This is not proven. But the conspiracy is that the lottery was rigged so the Knicks would get the number one overall pick, which turned into Patrick Ewing. So that's interesting. That was early on in his tenure. Um, Allowing the sale of the Seattle Supersonics to Oklahoma City businessmen. Man, I'd be pissed if I lived in Seattle. If I was a Seattle fan. Okay, maybe not this weekend. If I was if I hated football, which is I mean sacrilegious, but if I hated football and I was purely a basketball fan, I would be oh my god, I would have been livid. You draft Kevin Durant. He has one year as a Sonic. Oklahoma City businessmen come in and say, Oh no, we're gonna keep the team here. And they ship him out to Oklahoma City. They move from the fourteenth best television market in Seattle to the 45th best in Oklahoma City at the time. So it didn't really make sense to me why David Stern would allow that to happen, because that's money out of the NBA's pocket. Granted, they did a great job in cultivating a culture over there, and as one of my friends put it, sneakily, uh, what did he say? Sneakily tanking. Sneaky tanking. When they had Kevin Durant... They let him run the show, they stunk, they got him Russell Westbrook, played Russell Westbrook out of position, they stunk, they got James Harden. So, I mean, it, it was an in- interesting standpoint. But that David Stern, I, I, I will never understand that. Hopefully Seattle gets a team soon because they are a great, great sports city. Fantastic sports city. Tim Donahue. Allegations of fixing games. That was under his watch. How much should he know? For somebody that is so egomaniacal, as David Stern is in my opinion, you gotta know. He's gotta know. How do you not know? Especially if there were a bunch of, I, I wouldn't say a bunch, but a few other refs that were involved as well. How do you not know that that's happening? And that's bad. That makes everybody question everything. But time heals all wounds. Seemingly. So now it's... Things are said in jest like, Oh, the refs are fixed in this game. This is awful refereeing because your team is not getting the calls. Yeah, that was, that was really bad. And under his watch... I'm not saying he had anything to do with it. But it's just fishy, in my opinion. On the upside, the things that he did for the game. He went past copyright infringement and allowed highlights and clips to be displayed on the internet. Globalizes the game. That was fantastic. Basketball is the third most watched sport on the planet. Behind soccer and I think cricket or something. I got this uh, information from Bleacher Report. David Stern did that. The dream team for the Olympics. What a genius idea. Globalize the game. I know that's somewhat geocentric. Of me to think that. But I mean it it seems to be true. And he did that. He brought seven new teams into the NBA. The Charlotte Hornets, Miami Heat, Minnesota Timberwolves, Orlando Magic, Toronto Raptors, uh, Vancouver Grizzlies initially, Charlotte Bobcats. More teams, more players, more money, more TV rights. More TV contracts. More ticket sales. More jersey sales. More playoff teams. He did that. But the one that I'm going to remember so the final kiss of death for David Stern was disallowing the New Orleans Hornets, Los Angeles Lakers, and Houston Rockets three-team trade. that would have sent Pau Gasol... Morrowed him to the Rockets, Kevin Martin, Luis Scola, Goran Dragic to New Orleans, and Chris Paul to the Lakers. Because he was the acting GM of the New Orleans Hornets at that point. That showed... And this is me stepping away from being a Laker fan. That showed... his conceited egocentrism at its pinnacle, in my opinion. The collective bargaining agreement that was just passed catered to the thought and the idea that you cannot allow powerhouses in the NBA anymore. You can't allow conglomerate teams in big market cities to pretty much drown out the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Milwaukee Bucks, etc. Charlotte Bobcats. Lower rung teams that really have no light at the end of the tunnel at this point. Due to everybody wanting to go to big market cities that have all the money, that have all the you know record deals and, and movie roles and, and such. So he kiboshed it. And he let them go to the Clippers. He let he let Chris Paul go to the Clippers. New Orleans Saints owner buys the Hornets. They get the number one pick. The stars just happened to align that the New Orleans Hornets, after getting rid of their star player, got the number one pick. And Anthony Davis. Maybe that's me with my Laker fan hat on. <laughs> but it's, that's just another conspiracy. I mean, all conspiracies are questioned and, and whatnot, but that's the one that stung me. Hell, I don't even know if Lamar Odom would be the way he is now if that didn't happen. At least he would have felt wanted somewhere. Yeesh. Overall, he globalized the game of basketball. He marketed it to the nth degree. He made about $30 million off of Mark Cuban <laughs> for the league due to fines and suspensions. and He will go down as one of the best commissioners, if not the best, in professional sports history, in my opinion. Adam Silver is taking over, his right-hand man. I mean, I'd be shocked if David Stern didn't have his hand in Adam Silver's back and just moving him around like a puppet master, at least for the first year. Moving around like a puppet, I should say, for the first year. He can't just walk away from this. and But, but the genius thing about him, and I will give it to him, he he can see into the future. He saw the league going downhill and he got out. They're like, well, why are you leaving? Why are you giving a year window before you leave? He, I, I believe he reported this uh, last year in January or December. It was right around Christmas time. It's like, well, February 2014, I'm out. And look at how far the league has tumbled in the last year alone. You have four good teams in the NBA. You have, you have more good teams with, with good records, but only about four or five that are contenders. Heat, Pacers, Thunder, Spurs. Maybe Portland, maybe Clippers, you know, whatever. But that's it. The rest of the team, the <laughs> the playoffs are going to be awful this year. There are going to be more sweeps, in my opinion, in these playoffs than there will be in any playoff situation, in any in any playoff structure in, in NBA history. I mean, I, I truly believe that. Because of the intense parody that is permeating the NBA right now. I'll take a break. Quarmy Lassiter, Sports Talk, Voice Talk America. I'll be back, last segment.
1: yeah Become our friend on Facebook.
3: Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Welcome back to Kwame Lester's Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. Last segment... Been a good show today. Had to talk about a lot of things. David Stern leaving as the NBA commissioner. He, I don't know if he'll be missed or not, but he did a lot of great things for the game. Phoenix Suns. I'm excited. It's going to be good. 28 and 18. Hope they get a pulse. Hope they get a free agent. I hope it's not Kevin Love because I want him to go to the Lakers. That's me personally. The NBA All Star Game starters. I said I would talk about them. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade shouldn't be there, but I mean, that's just me. I think John Wall should definitely be the starting guard, but I mean, that's me. John Wall is one of the most overlooked players in the NBA. I know his field goal percentage isn't great, but his leadership abilities are starting to mold really nicely. His maturity level has skyrocketed. He'll be there. I don't know if they. I don't know if the uh, Wizards are going to be able to keep him, but if him and Bradley Beal can learn to play together, who knows? I mean, they could be. They could be a fantastic duo in the backcourt. Bradley Beal, the shooter, John Wall, the traditional point guard. He had to be a scorer when he was a rookie in his second and third year, but now when he has kind of little bits of pieces around him, which isn't much. I understand there, there isn't much. I mean, he has Nay, Trevor, Riza, Trevor Booker. I mean, there's not many guys. Kevin Serafin comes off the bench. They don't have much there. Martian Gortat they have. And it, it truly showed with Martian Gortat that Steve Nash made his year that year. Great fantasy player. Double-double guy. Was great around the basket. Has a nice little 12-foot jumper. But when he has to create his own shot, it's a little different. When Steve Nash, when he's just rolling up stuff, picks with Steve Nash, it's a little different. But I think John Wall, it got snubbed a little bit. I think at least he got voted onto the reserve team, on the reserves. But I do believe... That he should have been a starter over Dwayne Wade. Kobe, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Kevin Love, Blake Griffin for the West. I agree with three out of five of these. Kobe obviously should not, and he knows that, and everybody knows that. But around the world, as I was talking about with with David Stern, it's a global game, and everybody knows who Kobe is. Everybody knows who Kobe is. So they're going to vote for him. I'm not saying it was the Yao Ming effect. I know it wasn't the Yao Ming effect. But across the globe, everybody knows who Kobe is. So he got voted in. Uh, He's hurt. So I don't know if it it would be, it would sicken me if he came back just to play a couple minutes in the All-Star game, even though he hasn't played up to that point. To save face a little bit, he should at least play in a game or two before he goes to the All-Star game. Maybe he won't. Who knows? I mean, it's Kobe. Who who knows? Blake Griffin, fine. He has got great numbers. I've never denied that his regular season numbers are great. He's getting better in the jump shot area. Most of his points are layups and dunks still. He's improved his free throw percentage a little bit. If he could get to 80% free throw shooter, I'd have a completely different Completely different idea of of Blake Griffin as a player. Because he gets the line a lot. He's always down there. He's always jumping into guys. He's always trying to dunk over people. So obviously fouls will be called. He's just got to make his free throws. I definitely would have put LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer to put LaMarcus Aldridge in the starting lineup. But if you ask somebody in Maine who LaMarcus Aldridge is, If you ask somebody in Italy who Lamarcus Aldridge is, they're not going to know because he plays for a smaller market team. The days of the Portland Trailblazers with Rashid Wallace and Damon Stoudemire and Scottie Pippen and Clyde Drexler, they're long gone. Arvidas Sabonis, long gone. Rose Garden rocking and rolling like the Seahawks football stadium, gone. But they're slowly starting to work it back. The Damian Lillard draft pick was amazing. I, that that worked out so well from him from Weber State. I think he went fifth overall, fifth or sixth, I believe it was fifth. Nicholas Batum is is a is a freak talent. Six ten, can play like he's six one, can play like he's six ten. He's got a wingspan of about seven feet, seven one. Coaching is an issue over there, in my opinion. But LaMarcus Aldridge has put up career numbers. Career, career numbers. Like stupid numbers. On a team with a better record than the Clippers. But Blake Griffin is a more well-known guy. He's done Kia commercials, done dunk contests. He dunks. LaMarcus Aldridge hits 15 footers. Shoots 80% from the line, gets 10 boards a game. Has more than one move, like a little spinzy doodle move to the baseline. And flip it up and hope it goes in The like Blake Griffin has. Lamarcus Aldrick is becoming a complete basketball player. He doesn't play great defense, but not a lot of people do in this day and age. That's not taking away from big men that play defense, but he's 6'10", he plays like he's 6'7". But with those extra three inches and those long arms, he can shoot over pretty much anybody. He's got great touch. He's got a great cerebral take on the game. He has a great point guard, which helps so much for power forwards that cannot create their own shots from the perimeter. He's really a real basketball player. And I don't think Blake Griffin is there yet. LaMarcus Aldridge has 3 or 4 years on Blake Griffin in the league. I get that he please spent more time in college. He didn't tear his ACL before he played an NBA game. He did get he, he's had injuries in the past and it seems like he's kind of over he's kind of overcome that and as you get older your body can adapt faster. You you lift more weights, you do more cardio you can withstand more more tread on your tires, so to speak. And he's done that. And I'm so impressed with him this year. I'm so impressed. If it weren't for Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, I would say that out of the Western Conference, he'd be the MVP. Kevin loves having a... It, it's unfair with Kevin Love because he had such ridiculous numbers last year. He has great numbers this year, but he's having kind of a down year. Their team isn't very good. LaMarcus Aldridge is the best player on the third best team in the West. 33-13. and 13. I mean, Oklahoma City's 37-10. and 10. Yes, Kevin Durant should win the MVP this year, and Russell Westbrook getting hurt will help that. Well, the Marcus Aldridge will get some votes. And that's why I don't... And Kwame and I have talked about this, especially for baseball, and and, and even more so for football. Being a starter on a Pro Bowl team, or on an All-Star team, is something that you remember forever. It's something that you can put on your charm bracelet. A manly charm bracelet. I'm sorry. Uh, It's something that is part of the makeup of who you were when you retire as an NBA basketball player. It'll help you get into the Hall of Fame. I understand if you make all-star teams more than three or four times, you're probably a starter one or two of those times. I get that, but I truly believe, I'm going to go a little segue here, I truly believe, a tangent is what I meant to say, I truly believe that the people that vote for the reserve should vote for the starters, And the people and the fans should vote for the reserves. I truly believe that. And I understand that the fans are the ones that are watching, the fans that are ones that are getting the ratings for the TV contracts and everything like that. But... Voting for people that are hurt, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, and voting for people that have had a better year than the people that everybody knows? That's what should be rewarded. The people that are having the best year in that given year should be rewarded with starting at that opening tip with your West or East jersey and playing at least the first four or five minutes. You deserve that. And I think LaMarcus Aldridge deserves it. Truly. Truly. I got to go. At Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Subscribe to our, to our podcast on iTunes. Kwame Lassiter Sports Talk. Like our Facebook page. 1,000 likes. We're trying to get 1,000 likes. Got about 40 because I put it up yesterday. Share it with your friends. Share it with their friends. We're going to make this station known. We're going to make this show known even more than it already is. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame Lassiter Sports Talk. Voice Talk America. I will see you guys Monday.